All right, guys, welcome back to the Live Loud Life Podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life Podcast. Uh, super amped to have you back, following along, following our journey, um, being a part of your journey. We're, we're really looking forward to just everyone having an awesome uh, 2021. And if we can help guide you to that adventurous life, whatever that might be, we hope that we can play that small role and that small part for you through this podcast, through our YouTube, through our website, through our our personal services, uh, in the office, whatever we can do to help you, we hope that we can uh, be of benefit and a service to you. Today on the episode, we have um, we have Dr. Patrick Curry, who is a spine ortho with the Boulder Center of Orthopedics and Spine here in Boulder, in Lafayette, Colorado, and. We're going to get into the relationship that Dr. Curry and I have co-managing um, uh, some patients and some clients and whatnot, but I wanted to kind of preface the beginning of the show because for many of you who know me and for just those of you who know a chiropractic and tending to be what we call this quote-unquote alternative um, form of medicine and care, there is a time and a place for co-management. There is a time and a place for surgery. There is a time and a place for medication. I mean, we cannot discount and credit what modern medicine has been able to provide us. Um, and so we just talk about the ins and outs of how co-managing certain um, spine cases, uh, low back pain, neck pain, so on and so forth, can be very beneficial when you have this collaborative uh, team effort. Uh, at When I was a younger doc I was uh, I'm, I'm still I'm not against drugs and surgery again because they are super beneficial but when I was younger and first into practice I was stubborn as all get out where I thought I could do everything without it and more recently with a couple cases I have found that there is some benefit to having that intervention with certain medications certain interventions certain um uh, reassuring, reassuring, oh my gosh, why can't I say that? Reassuring, where you know some people they still are unsure about the about the maybe credibility for chiropractic care, and so when you're co-managing with an ortho and you're having conversations with an ortho, they tend to they they tend to kind of get on board with what you're saying, especially if you and the ortho on the same page, which is fantastic. So. That's kind of just a little precursor to the show. Um, Dr. Curry and his team and other orthos that we've co-managed, you know, even extremity cases from shoulders to hips and different things like that. They've been a super vital uh, and integral part for some of the care that we've had. And if you're in the Boulder County area, I would highly recommend Boulder Center of Orthopedics and Spine. If you're needing an ortho referral, if you're needing some additional diagnostics um, uh, that you maybe haven't received yet, uh, and we would love to be a part of that journey with you. Again, oftentimes those that get to that ortho level, it's not because they need an ortho. Um, oftentimes it's it's mismanaged by other chiros, PTs, massage, whatever it is, but they just assume like, oh, it's so bad, I got to get to the ortho level. And Dr. Curry even kind of re uh, re reiterates that it's that triage level of really understanding and knowing at what level do you need more quote-unquote serious intervention or care. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Be sure to check them out if you are in the area again. Be sure to subscribe 
so that you're getting the, uh, these ep- these <laughs> these episodes and shows updated to you when they pop. We have moved from a Friday distribution to more of like a Tuesday, Wednesday, midday. Pop it in, listen it to your on your walks, listen to where you're working out, listen it on your commute, whatever you find to be most beneficial. We are also uh, playing these on YouTube, so if you like. If you like seeing our faces, uh, you can go ahead and go to YouTube and see the videos for all of these episodes as well. So uh, much love, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Live loud and enjoy the show. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Live Loud Life podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud uh, Live Loud Life podcast uh, with Live Loud Chiropractic and Coaching here in Lafayette, Colorado. And today on the show, we have Dr. Curry with Boulder Center of Orthopedics and Spine. Uh, Dr. Curry is a fellow uh, spine healer colleague, if you (laughs) want to call him that. We've worked with a number of patients back and forth together, and he's got a really interesting story that I wanted to share with you guys uh, about his journey with his own back and what brought him to where he is today. So thanks for joining us, Dr. Curry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. So, um, tell us a little bit about your your story and what uh, and how your story transitioned you into the the role and the position that you're in now. Sure. So, when I was eight or nine, um, my uncle, who's a pediatrician, noticed a, a curve in my back, and I, I went in for the check. I think a lot of people have been through those adolescent scoliosis checks, and it turned out that I was developing a little bit of a curve. And so I was seen by an orthopedic surgeon in Philadelphia and we uh, decided to just do a follow-up x-ray in six months and see if there had been any change. And there had been. So after that, I wore a brace, um, a, a plastic kind of custom molded brace until I was 14. And at that point, you know, the curve had been relatively well well controlled before I started to grow significantly. And then as I started to grow in high school, the the curve progressed significantly, even with the brace. Uh, And so I reached the threshold for operative intervention and and had a a thoracolumbar fusion the summer after my freshman year in high school. So I guess at that point I would have been 15 years old uh, and then spent spent a while rehabbing from that. for about a year and a half. I couldn't play contact sports. So that was kind of a, a downer. I was a wrestler at the time. Um, I did get back onto the team, but you can imagine that a year and a half taken out of a high school career doesn't take you real far. Yeah, exactly. So what, what, you know, you just had shared it. It was kind of hard getting back into the groove of athletics and sports perhaps after going through that. But what, what did the, what did the operative intervention really provide and give you as a result? But so, so the goal of that operation was to stabilize the curve to keep it from continuing to increase in magnitude. And what they're trying to do with pediatric scoliosis surgery is to, to prevent progression of a curve while someone is still growing and keep it at a, keep it at below a threshold where we don't think it will progress rapidly as an adult once your skeleton stabilizes. So it it did that pretty effectively. Um, And then it, the other stuff was just a matter of me getting back into activity on my own. There wasn't a lot of formal guidance in that other than the, the progressive step down and restrictions on my activity. And with, so was a lot of the functional improvements more a result of the, the post-operative work, the hard work that you were putting in and strengthening and remobilizing so on and so forth? 
Yeah. So, so in the adolescent um, idiopathic spectrum, it's the, the rehab is a little different than in, in adult spine surgery because typically in adult spine surgery, people are having surgery because they're having significant pain and dysfunction. And for kids with adolescent scoliosis, for the most part, they're not having a lot of pain and dysfunction. Some kids are, but it's not typical. So, so the rehab from scoliosis surgery is to kind of get you back to where you were. And then for adults, the rehab from adult spine surgery, whatever form it is, is typically to get you better than you were preoperatively because you came in primarily with symptoms of pain and issues with mobility and things like that. Yeah, it's a good point. So it's kind of it's kind of where you are with the intention and, and realistically just the patient timeline, right? What's what's the best thing for us to do from where you're coming from and where you need to go? So so and, and is this what really sparked you to pursue the career that you're in now? Or was there something else down the road where you're kind of like, you know what, this this I, I want to be able to do this and help people in this capacity? So so I get asked that a lot and and I don't know that it was directly related or something that was conscious at the time. I, I kind of, I rehabbed it. I went on, finished high school and college, and I, I was not initially going to go to medical school. I was a teacher for about five years prior to to thinking about going back to medical school. And then- Oh, that, that's awesome. What, what grade? So I taught high school, um, both in Philadelphia, and then I spent a year teaching high school as well on the Navajo reservation in Northeastern Arizona. Very cool. Very cool. So then, so you did a high school teacher and then you're like, decided to mix it up. Yeah. I kind of needed something that I, I thought I'd be happier with long-term. So I, I went back and it took me about a year and a half to do the, there's a number of programs now they're called post-baccalaureate programs for people who maybe had a liberal arts major mm-hmm. in undergrad, mm-hmm. which I did to, to get prepared to take the MCAT, which is the entrance exam for medical school. Uh, so it took about a year and a half to do that. And then it eventually did that and got accepted at medical school and started down that path. And so when I started in medical school, I thought from the beginning that I would do something surgical. Mm. Um, and it was really just a matter of kind of going through the rotations and, and seeing what the different kinds of surgery are, are like. And I did not necessarily choose at the time that spine surgery would be the path, but I, I really enjoyed orthopedics. And I, I do recall we were doing a pretty big spine surgery in particular, and I just really enjoyed that case and, and taking care of those patients. And, and so that was probably an early indicator that I would that I would pick spine surgery once it was time for choosing fellowships in, in late residency. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I think that's, what's great too, is you get the, you get the mass exposure, right. To really just see what you're, what you're drawn to and where you feel like you can make the most impact. Um, so one of the reasons, uh, that I really enjoy working with Dr. Curry is he is, uh, a very active individual himself. You have a family, you got kids. Uh, we were talking about skiing last time and whatnot. And obviously you played sports. Remind me, did you play, uh, in the athletics in college? No, I didn't. Okay. And I, I mean, I did the, uh, I played a bunch in high school and then college. It basically was like the, the inter, in the intramural rounds yeah, and intramurals. yeah, I got into the early adult league and stuff, which was still fine. I mean, that's what the majority of people doing now, nowadays anyways, but the, but the approach, I think that's one of the most important things that I wanted to kind of highlight today is, is in having the conversations with Dr. Curry is some of his big approaches to spine health and dealing with spine pain. What, what's, what's one of your top one to two recommendations for people 
not to like, how do I have a healthy spine, right? How do they, how do they maintain health in their spine, in their, and this could be joints in general. Like what are the most recommendations that maybe people aren't being steered towards? Right. So I, I think the things that, that get said commonly are, are keep a strong low back and core. And one of the questions is what's the most effective way to do that? Mm. And, and there's different answers to that question for different people, but that'd be step one. And then part, part of all, it, it's really, at the end of the day, it's about having a healthy lifestyle, right? So a healthy weight, get good nutritional intake, both in terms of quantity and quality of what you're eating. And then, and then being active and sort of moving through the world in a, in a, in a reasonably conscious way uh, to try to prevent injury. Now injuries are going to happen and, and that's what we're here to deal with, but, but we want to try to mitigate that in circumstances where we can. Now I know it's kind of a loaded question because it's an it depend question, right? But for for the majority of people that I mean, we look at the statistics of back pain, right? It's estimated that over eighty percent of people are going to have back pain at any given point in time. There's different numbers that show people have back pain currently, but a lot of the conditions revolving around back pain are not the the highest of concern or you know we're like oh this is this is an emergency type of thing or we need to jump right into it what are some of the recommendations from a i I know it's different because it's not what you do per se right but i'm sure you triage a lot of these things people coming in it's like oh my gosh my back is horrible it's like an eight out of ten i can't do anything and you go through your eval and it's like well you know it's not really that bad and you start talking about those lifestyle things right what are, what what are some of the reinsurances that that you commonly find that you're giving people? Is it basically that lifestyle, or is there a different conversation you have when people? Because a lot of people come into us, they are freaked out, right? Their right. their mother had it, their dad had it, their cousin had it. They're worried about going down that route. What are some of the reassurances that you find that you're commonly giving to people? So there's a couple things that that I end up talking about pretty frequently. And, and one, of the, one of the chief ones is kind of taking apart the radiology report and showing people what their MRI shows if they have one. And that's super important because people will get the radiology report that's written in technical terms, really to be read by other physicians, not, not mm-hmm. necessarily to be read by patients. And, and they'll be very specific level by level in the lumbar spine about, about what they see there. And in the mind of the radiologist, what they're really doing is thinking of a perfect spine, mm-hmm. like the spine of an uninjured 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then they're saying all the changes that have taken place for you, typically as an adult, you know, in their 30s or 40s, all the things that are different between that MRI and the perfect 18-year-old MRI. And people get worried about that because they hear degenerative disc disease, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I really don't like as a term. Mm-hmm. Because when we think about different disease processes, like I think cancer is, is kind of the, the easiest one to think about. Cancer is an ongoing issue that, that, is, complete, that is abnormal, right? And that is a, that, that's the problem. It's the abnormal growth of cells and you need to control that and, and defeat it. The, the typical degenerative disc disease things that we're seeing on an imaging study are just the way your spine ages. And so I sometimes tell people, this is a little bit like comparing your driver's license now to your driver's license when you were 16 or 18 years old. <laughs> Those are different pictures. Yeah. You're a different person. It doesn't mean you're not healthy anymore, but they don't look the same. And the same thing with low back stuff. And I think there's an important distinction to be made too between 
people are, who are having low back pain, kind of pain at the level of their belt, usually in the midline, maybe off to one side or the other slightly, and people who come in with buttock and leg pain. Right? Buttock and leg pain are very different mm -hmm. in indicator of nerve root compression mm -hmm. than just midline low back pain. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's so imperative. I mean, cause we, I, I had a, I had a patient the other day who just saw from her, uh, went to her GP and was sent out for, this was mid back pain. So a little bit different, um, but sent out for just standard x-rays like, Hey, you're of the age where we're concerned about maybe osteoporosis or something like that. And she has this laundry list of things. She's, she's in her late sixties. Like you're going to get a lot of things. And in the term that we like to use that, um, uh, that we've pulled from Dr. Stuart McGill and some other people um, who are spine specialists. It's like it's like gray hair or wrinkles on your skin. They're going to happen. It doesn't mean that is an indication of pain. Based on severity, it definitely could attribute to something down the road, but that is by far the number one thing that we hear. Oh, they said I had degenerative spine or, you know, and, and what I love showing people too, is like, okay, well, let's just look at a timeline, right? So degeneration doesn't happen overnight and it also just doesn't magically disappear. So if you have good days and bad days, we can't say that degeneration is the cause of your pain because you were good yesterday, but the yep. degeneration was still there. So there's gotta be some other factors that go into the pain process, which we know the pain process is very complex, especially if it's someone who's had chronic pain and they're just kind of in that negative feedback loop. Right. right. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I love that though. Cause it's, it's great hearing that other providers are, are having that conversation and taking the time, which we greatly appreciate is taking the time to actually go through the reports. So many people just, you know, they're kind of in and out. It's like, Oh, Nope, you're good. Or Nope, this is fine. We don't see anything. And it's just kind of on to the next. And, and there's a lot of worries and concerns people have. Cause that's the other thing too, is once you get to the stage of you're taking imaging, most people assume like there's gotta be something major wrong. So to be right. able to articulate what's actually being read and seen is, is very important. Right. And I think it's really important to, to be able to walk through the images and talk about them because there's, there's all those technical terms in the reports and I, I do my best to kind of point out the changes that they're describing. Uh, and, and I ask people to sort of try to put the vocabulary to one side and just, just look at the pictures. And, and you can mm -hmm. see, you know, if someone has one disc that's starting to degenerate, you can see the difference mm -hmm. between that and a regular healthy disc without going into what does disc desiccation really mean and what does loss of height indicate and all those kind of things. You could just see the picture and understand it a little bit better. Now, uh, and uh, funny enough, right before this, a, pa a patient that we've that we co-managed together. Uh, that's why uh, uh, I was slightly late getting on because she, she was a chatterbox. We were talking about certain things, and she was talking about another patient, or sorry, another patient, another individual who was at the gym. And so the question I wanted to ask was, what are some of the re recommendations on, you know, like as you're triaging people? And maybe you just have a conversation, just someone on, on the side of the street. How do you like, what's your kind of triage process and where people should go, but what are some of your recommendations when people start having some sort of symptoms? So for instance, this individual, because a lot of people there, it'll, it'll just work itself out, right? I'll just take a little time. It'll just work itself out. When, what are some of the indications is when people should actually come see you or go get some uh, imaging or, in, or, or seek that further level of intervention? Sure. So I think when people start to develop either arm or like 
arm or leg pain, you know, that's a reason to at the very least get seen. It doesn't mean you necessarily require an MRI at that point. Yeah. But it's good to get those things checked out and just try to understand where they're coming from. Now, if you have a progressive motor deficit, like your foot's feeling floppier and floppier as you walk and you're mm -hmm. having trouble going upstairs or tripping over your toe all the time, then those kind of things are an indicator that that you need to get an MRI and then you can kind of figure out specifically what the problem is and take it from there. And there, there's other symptoms that I think most of us know called red flag symptoms where, you know, if someone comes in to me and says, I have really low back pain, I also unintentionally lost 30 pounds in the mm -hmm. last three months. Mm -hmm. That's a problem and that needs imaging right away, mm -hmm. which is different than someone who's like, look, two to three times a year, I tweak my low back. It typically lasts, you know, 48 to 72 hours. Yeah. I have to rest during that period of time and take a bunch of anti-inflammatory medication. That's not necessarily alarming in my mind, uh, but, you know, weight loss, systemic symptoms, motor deficits, uh, fine motor and balance dysfunction. Those are all reasons to, to, um, to get the imaging sooner than later. Yeah. And to, and to piggyback off the stories you shared before, right? Like buttocks pain, legs like that. Like if you have low back pain and it's just tight around your low back, that's, that's a little different. But when, and, and what's interesting is people oftentimes don't associate those two things to be together, right? It's like, well, my back hurts, but then I got this weird hamstring butt thing that's been, yeah. for whatever reason, they happen together, but I don't think they're related, right? Mm -hmm. Those, like, just, if people just think like, what, like pains, while pain is a normal process of life, right? Like to just live in pain is not normal. And to have like this pain that fluctuates and changes and or is like, fairly consistent with movement. That's like one of the biggest things. Like you're starting to see a pattern here, right? When you do these things, you're worse. Those would be indications of getting and seeking out help. It's it's the the West and rest and wait just to see what happens typically doesn't bode well for the long term. Might help you right. short term, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um well um uh, this has been fantastic. I think it'll be super beneficial because I, I know that's one of the the scary, it, it really kind of depends on the person. And that's where we have these conversations. Some people are like, well, you know, ortho, that's like, that's like top of the line. I really don't want to do it if I don't have to, because right. they're worried what that next step might be. But understanding that there's a reason it's the top of the line, right? They're, they're, they're very educated. They know this stuff really well. And it's, it's really good to just have a conversation. It all comes right. down to just having a conversation because then you can clear the water. You can settle everything, all the worries, and really figure out what's the best course of action. Yeah. Anything you want to leave uh, listeners with um, uh, as kind of as a side note or anything um, that you've been finding on your own journey? I know you had surgery down the road, um, but that you're constantly kind of focusing on for, you know, as a side note, not maybe not spine, but for your health, for your lifestyle, for staying strong. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that one thing people need to think about is, especially people who aren't maybe training as they get older. I have a number of friends who are really good high school and college athletes. And then because for them working out was always associated with the team, that's a good point. They don't necessarily do it anymore. Yeah. And we're all kind of, we're all in a little, a little bit trapped in that mode where we're like 19, 20, <laughs> we get better no matter what we do. And so as you, as you get past that and you get in your late thirties and forties, if you do nothing, you're going to get worse over time. Yeah. That's just, that's just what's going to happen. And so everybody should have 
an exercise program that they participate in several times a week. It can be whatever you, you want it to be. But if you don't want to go down that hill real fast, yep. you need to be doing something proactively to prevent that. You cannot just you know go to work, go home, mm-hmm. and, and have that be your life and expect not to pay, pay the price for that. Yeah, this is a prime example. If you don't use it, you definitely lose it. Yeah. And, and, and I think you made a really good point too, is, is the, the trapped in the 19 year old, right? It doesn't have to be like, so many of us are stuck on, oh man, I'm so like, I'm not as strong as I used to be. So like, why even try? Right. Well, that's the whole point. Like it doesn't just miraculously come back and it didn't just miraculously get there when you were 19, although it's easier probably, but anything and everything are healthy options. It's just, you got to do something. That's right. I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Curry. I really appreciate your time uh, sharing sharing your story, sharing your information. I think this is going to be very valuable for those because, as we know, back pain in general is just very prevalent. Um, so I hope this can ease uh, maybe some worries for some individuals. Uh, I hope this stimulates them to reach out to whether that be you or a provider. And again, just it starts with having a conversation. It doesn't mean you have to go into this intensive treatment option depending on where you're at just have a conversation because oftentimes like as you know a lot of our conversations are not about what we can do from like a therapeutic standpoint it's asking about the lifestyles asking about the weight the nutrition and most of us know we need help in that but getting the recommendations from uh, a physician or a chiro or a a personal trainer uh, tends to tends to hit home a little bit more (laughs) yeah awesome well thanks doc we'll chat soon all right sounds good see ya take care all right, guys, that was uh, that was a Live Loud Life podcast episode with Dr. Patrick Curry of Boulder Center of Orthopedics and Spine. Uh, again, if you want to get in touch with him directly, um, you can just go to, uh, if you just Google Boulder Center of Orthopedics and Spine, you will find them. Um, you can set up a consult, an appointment with him and his team um, in either the Boulder or the Lafayette location. Uh, and again, if you're having... <clears throat> If you're having some neck trouble, if you're having some low back trouble, um, again, great provider will provide you um, uh, great insight and great uh, conversations around any diagnostic procedures or imaging. Um, but we would also love to be a part of that team with, for you, um, rehabbing you and, and helping you build that confidence around movement and strength training and getting you back to those activities that you love doing. Um as I'm recording this, it is springtime in Colorado. It is beautiful outside and everyone is amped and jacked to get outside, to hike, to paddleboard, to kayak, to just doing all that fun stuff. So uh, regardless of what season that you're listening to this, there's always some fun to be had and we want to make sure that you are at your top and your best so that you can enjoy those activities and all those adventures. Until next time, guys, this is the Live Loud Life Podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host. We'll see you later.